It was dark when Aragon jolted upright in bed, breathing hard. Book 1, Aragon. Chapter 13, The Madness of Life. And Chapter 14, A Rider's Blade. Welcome to Aragon and Back Again, a podcast where we explore Christopher Paolini's inheritance cycle one chapter at a time. I'm Darian Smart. And I'm Lucy Hart. And oh boy. Oof. 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 This, <laughs> this is where, this is the culmination of where all of these chapters have been heading. Yeah. And it's just brutal and, but so like beautifully brutal. Mm-hmm, like, I don't mm-hmm. know how, I don't know how else to describe that, but it's like so we go back to it all the time. Yep. So well done. So well like, done. Pellini does such a good job. And I'm, my eyes are watering because I keep yawning. <laughs> oh, sleepy Lucy. But before we but, get into it. Yes. Luz, what is your spark of inspiration this week? Oh, I think uh, my spark of inspiration is going to be, I started a new book series Ooh. on Audible. And it is called Hunter by, I think, Mercedes Lackey, mm-hmm. I believe is the, how I say the name. And it's basically, like, I just got into it. I think I'm on, like, chapter four or something. I'm not very far deep into it. But it's very much, like, almost post-apocalyptic. Ooh. But, like, with magic and, like, not, like, zombie post-apocalyptic. It's, like, the world ended and magic has come back. Or magic has re-entered the world in this case. I like that. Or just entered the world for the first time. And so they talk about, like, the main character reflects on, like, uh, like planes and like internet and stuff like this and it's like that's not lo- that's no longer a thing but it's like it was a thing and but then there's a society that has been built up from the remnants of that and one of the things that I really liked was it talks about cows and it's like oh yeah yeah they talk about how like they're like oh cow like cows used to be like these docile things they are no longer like they're docile in a way but like you can't catch them because they're so fast like they're really fast and yeah and they're like they're herds and they like kind of they're like a lot bigger or something like that Mm -hmm. and um they just they're very very skittish and it's really hard to tame them without them running away from you so it was it was it was really interesting it was like that was like in in one of the first again only chapter four but that was like in one of like the first chapters i was like oh that's actually kind of cool that they talk about and they actually like she's in this train and it's like speeding along this old field of wheat and Mm -hmm. it's like yeah this was a this used to be like one of those farm fields and she could still see the wheat and everything and there's cows in the field but it's like all wild and uh-huh. no one is looking after it and all these things i'm like that's really cool yeah um and it also reminded me of nora roberts is that the romance author i'm pretty yes. sure nora roberts she wrote a post-apocalyptic called year one i think that's the first book yeah the first book's called year one by nora roberts chronicles of the one is what it is and it is also very much like but so like in the hunter book that i'm reading it was magic gets put into the world by this thing, like this devastating thing that happened uh-huh. in the one Chronicles. Um, something bad happens and magic is brought back into mm. the world. So magic was part of the world and then this happens and now it's all this part of the thing. World again, yeah. yeah. And so it just like it kind of ins- it made me really like. Like, I want to write something like that. Like, I could do something like that. Or it was, like, po- mm-hmm. post-apocalyptic. But it instead of, like, technology, like, goes downhill and then it's just magic is brought back into the world. Like, yeah. I was like, that would be kind of cool. So it just it just inspired me to, like, 
uh, also pick up my own writing and I'm like, because I want to write about magic and stuff and Love writing about do magic all the and things. Stuff. And like, and it was also like they talk about um, the limits of magic too. And I think that it, in order to make magic realistic you have mm-hmm. to have like rules in check that it does take a toll on people who do that like Arag- aragon the mm-hmm. books the aragon series like does a really good job with that i think mm-hmm. and so i really like that and like that she in um in the hunter books she there is a there's a word right there. Our magic system? Yeah, there's a... Si- price for magic? A price for magic, mm-hmm. yeah. In which, like, she just burns so much calories and she's oh. starving mm-hmm. and all these things. And so it's it's really, it's really good, I think. So it made me, made me want to think more about the limits and checks I'm going to have in my book about my magic systems nice. and stuff. So it was like, I, was, I got really excited about that. So That's very that was, good. I feel like that was a very long tangent, but yes. <laughs> Oh, that was awesome. What is your Sparks of Inspiration and or Geos? Yeah, uh, just Sparks of Inspiration right now. Uh, but yes, uh, mine is also a book. It is this. I'll show you because it's right here. Oh, yes. Beautiful yes, yes, book. yes. It is called Girl, Goddess, Queen by B. Fitzgerald. This is a new book that just came out. It is a YI rom-com retelling of Persephone and Hades, mm-hmm. which just baseline sounds very simple bubblegum pop. It's really not. This book is like layered and complex and beautiful and I'm painful. Very yeah, it it kicks ass. It's so well done. It's like takes the myths that are so well known and even like deep dives deeper into like the ones that like this wasn't something you covered in your like sixth grade yeah. Greek <laughs> unit. Like let's really dive deep. And yeah, like, this, like, really ingenious interpretations that feel so fresh while simultaneously being so true to the source material like a very like when I say true to the source material I don't want to be a mistake to be like oh every single thing is exactly the way it was presented in the original myths because that's not it nor do I feel like if you're going to do a retelling that that is approach that modern storytellers should necessarily take yeah because I won't get that's that's for my other podcast music mythology. <laughs> but in in so far when I say true, it is you can very clearly see. Oh yes, this makes sense as an interpretation based on yeah. the myths, not necessarily a beat for beat recreation. Yeah, I always uh, that's all. I feel like that's always better than the than the retelling. But yeah. it, yes, continue. Sorry. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's just really good. It's incredibly the right. This is I think Fitzgerald's like debut novel. Yeah, so strong, so compelling. There, the writing is like bright and lively and that's so cool. warm and rich. And yeah, it's so cool. Currently, if you are in the United States, like I am, you can't just go out and buy this book. It does not have. A North American publisher. Mm-hmm. But you can go on the Blackwell website and buy it for free international shipping. If you're in Europe, I'm pretty sure you can just go to your favorite local bookstore and have that. Uh, if you prefer audiobooks and you speak German, <laughs> there you go. I think that's the only audiobook I think that's currently. Yeah, I tried to look it up on Audible and the mm-hmm. only one was in German. And I was like, no. Well, so hopefully <laughs> there'll be... It, it came out as like a number one bestseller for the the category is the first like new book in the children's YA genre to do that in five years. Yeah. So I would not I can't imagine this one isn't gonna be more end up on yeah more internationally yeah. published. Uh, but it's eventually yeah yeah so so good could not recommend it enough. Girl Goddess Queen by B Fitzgerald just kicks just kicks ass and just makes me want to like create characters that are so 
alive. Yes, like, I absolutely. I want to make characters that are so alive and so unique and distinct from one another. Absolutely. Ooh. And speaking of uh, alive and being alive, Darrow <laughs> is not. No, <laughs> that's a, that was such a good and terrible <laughs> transition. Thank you so much. Yeah, Marikon wakes up and his uncle has, has died. Yeah, we all knew was coming. We all knew like, was coming. Like, there's no way Uncle Gara's gonna bounce back from acid splash. No. But... Did you have before we dive in? Did you have a summary? To read. Oh my god, I forgot to write one. Oh no! No, I totally forgot. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Okay, okay. I can, hold on, hold on. I, I can ad lib it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, madness, yeah, uh, the madness of life. Got Aragon awakes to find his worst fear realized. Garo has passed away. Aragon finds the other members of the household, including Katrina, gathered around his uncle's bedside, giving him the last gifts from the living to the dead. Uh, Katrina has a remark about how she had hoped to call Garo father one day, which definitely hits Aragon in a very painful manner. Uh, He eventually falls back to sleep, but that is more out of exhaustion than anything else. Yep, absolutely. And this, yeah, this uh, chapter is only two pages long. Yeah. Though unlike the last time we had a short chapter, absolutely, like, yes, this this being its own chapter. Yeah. Because we, we did talk about that, whereas the other one just flowed so easily into the other. It was like, this shouldn't have been a second chapter. Mm-hmm. But this is so impactful that, yeah. yes, it does deserve its own piece for mm-hmm. that impact. Yeah, yeah. Like, being the end of the, like, the sudden, like, gut punch twist of, like, the previous chapter being like, oh, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but this could mean he'll recover. recover. And then we turn the literal, like, at, yeah, the next page is like, yep. oh, snap. Garo is like, Aragon wakes up, something's clearly very wrong. And he sees, like, it's not confirmed until the top of, like, in my book, it's 133. Yeah. But I do, a lot, there are a lot of, like, good lines in this one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when he wakes up, it was a few hours before dawn. The time when nothing moves and life waits for the first warm touches of sunlight. And I'm like, life, interesting choice. Yeah, and I actually, like, really like that because it's always, like, death is always described as this cold, like, it's always, like, kind of like when reading it, it's always, like, something chilly enters the room and it's like, oh, death is near, or, you mm-hmm. know, something like that. So I think that's a really good, because, um, and Aragon didn't just wake up, he jolted upright in bread breathing Mm -hmm. hard the Mm -hmm. room was chilly goosebumps formed on his arms and shoulders and it's almost like he was woken up by the passage of death kind of thing yeah and so i really that's actually that's just how i read it and interpreted as and i really like Mm -hmm. that i don't know i really like that visual where he just suddenly jumps up like the everything is silent it's like what woke him up Mm kind of thing so i do really like that but so okay that makes like sense and actually reminds me of like a story my mom told me once when her grandfather passed away she like the night he passed she like woke up suddenly and looked at the clock and it was like 2 12 a.m and she's like "Ah, why am what is going on went back to sleep later on family calls her lets her know grandpa passed at 2 12 this morning yep so yeah except for aragon Garo didn't just now pass away. Yeah, he Because didn't. they have already prepared his body. He was dressed in clean clothes. His hair had been combed back. His face was calm. He might have been sleeping were it not for the silver amulet clasped around his neck 
and the dried hemlock on his chest. The last yeah. gifts from the living to the dead. And it's also... No one got Aragon! Sorry, and that, sorry. No, 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 I agree. But I, I was going to say, too, like, it, it would it would make more sense if there was a time between him waking up and, like, maybe he got up and was, like, really confused and, like, looked yeah. around. But it no, it's... Like, he, he hurried. Dressed, yeah. That's not enough time But that's not going to take... Yeah, and it also says, like, where... I just read it. Where are you? He quietly got out of bed and dressed with apprehension. He hurried down the hallway. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to take very long at no. all. Like, not long enough to do all these things, but... Yeah, no, and I agree with, with mm-hmm. what you were saying. Is like, no one got him. Like, maybe even not immediately after they realize Garo has died. And, like, yeah. Like, they were the body. But they're all gathered in yeah. there. Like, I, I, there, I don't think the excuse of, like, oh, Aragon needed to rest. Like, there's no point. Like, no. Like, none of that. Like, is, none of that is important. Like, like, you're all holding this, like, vigil of mourning. Yeah. Like, like Aragon, as the, like, Ar- like, bra the names Names. as garrow's like like living relative closest living relative aragon should have been like aragon was a son to garrow like they should have woken him up they should have gotten him and it would like i don't know i feel like like going along those lines it would have been so impactful if uh grutrude came up and woke him up and Mm -hmm. uh, horse or horse yeah horse too like someone wake him up and and they go, Aragon, and he goes, what? And then they just kind of, like, struggle for a minute. And he goes, N- Aragon just knows. And he goes, no. And or then he, he like, gets up. he, up bolt right. Yeah. And they're already, like, entering his room. Yeah. And, like, he did wake up. He's like, but he knows that their entrance is not what woke him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, I, on one, okay, I almost feel like they didn't wake Aragon. So, Paulini could demonstrate, um, grieving death yeah. tradition with the hemlock and the silver amulet and be yeah. like this world has culture yeah but i almost think like if he'd woken up and when he like goes to the room and gertrude is already standing there holding those things i don't know it's just it's weird that they didn't yeah and i don't think there's any excuse for them not getting Aragon. Mm-hmm. I also think that, like, I know we'll get, we're, we're going to get, we're also mm-hmm. going to combine a writer's blade. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think, like. No, no, no. We're going to do a two-page episode in 15 minutes. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. And Goodbye, everybody. The heart. <laughs> uh, fair. Uh, but it's, like, when they do, like, when he, when he creeps out of the house, like, they could have had a scene where he stops into Garrow's room and sees Garrow dressed in the last like, yeah, it's that then. scene mm-hmm. but later so it's like i agree it's it could have been like gertrude is holding those items or aragon could have said goodbye to his uncle one last time and seen that yeah so it's like i feel like it could have been portrayed but mm-hmm. out later and made a bigger impact yeah, but yeah it does serve as an excellent quiet moment of world building yes it doesn't go into like why they have those it makes yeah. a big deal of it the line, the last gifts from the living to the dead is so good. So good. And it, like I said, like it does demonstrate that this world is, has history. Yep. Like deep history. Yep. In like, like grieving traditions are mm-hmm. incredibly impactful. Yep. But yeah, it's just uh, deeply perplexing. And because Katrina is like talking and she's not actively crying. She probably has already cried. Yep. Then and she says, I had hoped to call him father one day. Call him father. He thought bitterly. All right, even I don't have. Aragon, but, like, whose fault is that? Because you definitely thought Garo was your dad until you were at least ten. I don't know when yeah, we don't. Died. We don't know. We don't know. But yeah. for a while, which means you were definitely calling him dad. So, like, I don't know. Feels like a choice you made. Yeah. And now and- we're getting into some, like... 
I don't know. There's like there's some like high fantasy medieval West traditions of family and blood and parentage that I'm yeah. like, oh, we're doing that now. Yeah, because okay. it's like it's like what makes a father a father? Like yeah. it. Garo's speech a couple chapters ago. Yeah, was just like, preparing his sons for the world. Yeah, like it's I. I Okay, I feel like that term is not great to use. Sperm donor is probably not the best <laughs> phrase to use. You can cut that out. Yeah. But I think, like, what makes a father is, like, more than just siring a child. Like, a, that's, like, that's how a child is created, but it's also, like... That's not how a child that's, is raised. That's yeah, like, that's not a father. Like, mm-hmm. a father is there for that child, raises that child, takes care of that child. And that's what Garrow was. Yeah. And in all sense and purposes... Garrow was Aragorn's father. Yeah. Like, it, it, entirely. It is somewhat a... And I, I, I don't know if this is something intentional that we're supposed to interpret about Aragorn's character. Yeah. This is entirely internalized feeling he has. Or if it is, like I said earlier, oh, this, like, high fantasy medieval western aesthetic trope of yeah. parentage and fatherhood. Yeah. And that kind of lineage. Because... Maybe it is, like, because he thinks, oh, because uh, Aragorn starts to just, I do, like, he starts to cry, just, like, openly cry, and, like, Elaine comes and comforts him, and he continues to cry. Yeah. And I appreciate that it was not I him trying to hide Hide it. Yeah. Not. 100%. Grief. I do like yeah. that. But he has this thought of, like, mother and uncle. He had lost them all. Which, yeah, true. He lost his mother and, and uncle. But it just coming so close to that, he's like, I don't even have the right to call him father. Or he's like, yeah. is it about Garo? Is it about not having a father at all? Like, he doesn't think father lost, but that's yeah. nothing. Just lost of everything and not having this. Like, is, is it something that seems to have been a thought Aragon had up until now regarding a lack of biological father? Yeah. Because even when he talks about or reflects on, like, finding out that Garo and Mary, Marie... When he finds out that his aunt and uncle are <laughs> his parents, trying to, I'm like, I don't remember. And how his mother had given birth to him and then ran away. Yeah. This thing is like, damn, did she, like, not want, want me? me? Yeah. But there was, like, we have yet to have him reflect on, like, who is my, my dad? Yeah. And it's almost like, does it not matter? Because Garo, but with him having this thought of, like, I couldn't even, I didn't even have a right to call him father. Then yeah. it's like, Aragon, do we have some deep-seated issues that we're going to spend the next three books unpacking? <laughs> Okay, but you just, that's fine, but you have to let me know up front or it's entrapment. (laughs) Yeah. And I also think, like, he's, I feel like it might have, and it could be, like, I feel like up until this point, I don't know if, I can't, I honestly can't remember, which is awful. (laughs) But, like, I can't remember if Aragorn's ever really had those kinds of thoughts. Like, he's called him uncle. Yeah. But I don't think we've ever had this, like, cringing or, like, shying away from him viewing Garrow as nothing as anything else but his father. Yeah. But it's like his passing brought those emotions back. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's like, ah, oh, son of a like fuck. Like I mm-hmm. saw I thought of him so much like a father, but I can't truly call him father because he wasn't my, my actual father. father. Yeah. Kind of thing. So it could have been just like the grieving process mm-hmm. of him being like it was just like this like a double spike like garrow's death and then like i can't even call him dad mm-hmm. any even though i want to kind of thing so it could have just been this like double whammy for him and if it, you know in that case like again pelini showing not telling is so fucking yeah, good it's, it's so, so good. good and then aragon has the grief moment that i think so many folks will relate to is that anger yep 
he turned his tear-damp face towards the heavens and shouted, What god would do this? Show yourself! He heard people running to his room, but no answer came from above. He didn't deserve this! Yep. Comforting hands touched him. He was aware of Elaine sitting next to him. She held him as he cried, and eventually, exhausted, he slipped into an unwilling sleep. Elaine again, the hero of the chapter! Yep, Elaine's so good. And, like, I just, imagining, like, the people, like... Realizing, oh, shit, Aragon is away. Yeah, and all I feel like it's also, like, just, like, being down the hall or being wherever, and them just being, like, oh, my God, like, Aragon, like, what's he going... And then just hearing him shout that mm -hmm. for Elaine, because I feel like she's very, very caring individual. I feel yeah. like that just Would hit her. her yeah, just absolutely just... Yeah. Oh, like, it may have been, rough. like, they, like, let's not wake Aragon yet. No, like, wanting to spare him from the pain. Yeah. Let him get some sleep a few hours more and yeah. then we will tell him when he wakes and yeah. probably more of a they should have woke him up they should have but woke they didn't him know up. he was gonna wake up yeah. so early like they he's hurt and injured and still also is healing yeah so. uh safira too like he felt safira con contact him but he pushed her her aside and let himself be swept away by sorrow so it's like mm -hmm. even like we've been talking about the past like several chapters about how deep their connection is and like even through their deep connection like aragon's like no i just want to be I alone can't i can't this. do yeah, this I right now i have to be alone I'm just yeah like yep. that's, it's crushing and it drags you down to the point where you, you don't even have the strength to grab onto a lifeline yep. you just need to be crushed yep. by it absolutely and then we have a writer's blade. And then a writer's blade. And <laughs> not... fucking Brom. <laughs> but first, Safira. But first, Safira and her amazingness, oh, yes. Oh my gosh. Shall we do a reading? Oh my god. Would you like to be Safira? I can be Safira, and okay. I'm not going to do the growl voice. No, no, no. <laughs> so when he first wakes up, his, like, Aragon thinks. And it's interesting because it's like... His thoughts are usually in italicized, but because Safira answers him instantly, and I don't think it's like she's not like they don't they can't hear each other's every thought. Yeah. So I think when he wakes up, he does without saying so directly reach out for her mm -hmm. now that like that heavy instant grief has passed yep. because other like she can't when she was reaching to try to reach out to him, then he couldn't he just pushed her away. They weren't having that connection. Connection. She's just feeling his yep. like grief. So. I like that. I was like, because like my other thought too was like, she's just kind of on the outskirt of his mind, like not entering his thoughts, but like mm -hmm. on the outskirts of mine, just waiting for him to say something. Mm -hmm. And when he says something, she jumps in immediately. Yeah. But yeah, I like, I like your, I like what you said with him reaching out unconsciously to her. Mm -hmm. I do like that. I oh. can't live with this. Then don't. How? Garo is gone forever. And in time, I must meet the same fate. Love, family, accomplishments. They're all torn away, leaving nothing. What is the worth of anything we do? The worth is the act. Your worth halts when you surrender the will to change and experience life. But options are before you. Choose one and dedicate yourself to it. The deeds will give you new hope and purpose. But what can I do? The only true guide is your heart. Nothing less than its supreme desire can help you. What do you want me to do? Pursue the strangers? Yes. I just ah, that's good. That's so good. Because it's so we like, yeah, man, let's fucking like, go. That's but yeah, and I think like that is saying something too because flight of destiny, like mm -hmm. her running yeah, from these strangers. Says, like, yep. 
He asked her why, and she basically was like, you reminded me of my duty as a dragon. Yep. And I realized what it means to be a dragon. Actually, you were reading Sephira, so you do want to No, yeah, I can read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Remember what you said in the spine? How you reminded me of my duty as a dragon, and I returned with you despite the urging of my instinct? So, too, must you control yourself. I thought long and deep the past few days and realized what it means to be a dragon and rider. It is our destiny to attempt the impossible, to accomplish great deeds regardless of fear. It is our responsibility to the future. It just, that's, ah, so good. It's so good. Like, and I, I do think, I do like the fact that she's came to that realization, mm-hmm. but Aragon was like the nudge. It wasn't yeah. because of Aragon in which she had those emotions. Like, mm-hmm. she is a... She is a figure and uh, is emotionally able to come to those conclusions by herself. Mm-hmm. But she did have someone she loves and trusts and su- and supports her and everything. Mm-hmm. Give her that encouraging little nudge. Even if past, it was like... past her fear. Exactly. Even though he did it in kind of a jackass kind yeah, of way, like, making her so mad. Afraid. <laughs> but she but, thought she's... But like that movie is like... Because he knew it was like, you're a dragon and you're letting fear control yeah. you. And she's like, right. So she's kind of saying to him, you're a writer. You cannot let fear control yeah, you. Yeah, fear and grief grief, Mm exactly like both absolutely Mm -hmm. and it's not her saying she he should not grieve no yeah i i more her saying you let's not through your your, through your grief take action yeah Mm -hmm. and i i do like that that she's not because again like this was again written when like we were in high school ish middle school area like yeah and I i was definitely this came out in 2002 yeah so i was in second grade oh man 2002 it was republished looks like copyright 2002 i was in 2006 i was in middle school i think because i graduated 2010 so if i'm doing my math right no you would have been in fourth grade fourth grade okay elementary school yeah so it was like written and published when i was in elementary school and like in that time like we like my biggest thing was always like 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 hide your emotions Mm -hmm. and like and all all that kind of thing but here she's not saying that she's not telling aragon to suppress his put it away and like grow up and Mm -hmm. and do all these things she is saying direct it like feel those feelings yes but don't let it like drown consume Mm -hmm. you yes i like that word and then um let it guide you to a greater purpose and i'm like fuck yeah like so good Mm -hmm. I also, like, they're, like, arguing back and forth, and she's like, we need to go, man. Like, people are, like, my tracks, they know what's up, and you have nothing left here. Like, we gotta go. Yep. Eventually, and, I will be exposed. hmm And Aragon, like, but he used to, like, shrink from the idea of forsaking Palakar Valley. It mm-hmm. was his home. Which is, like, a th- for me, a throwback to, like, what I talked about chapters ago of liking that Aragon loves his home. Yep. And does not see it as so small and insignificant and like i gotta get out of here i gotta yeah. get to the big city i gotta get to base to join the rebellion yeah like it's like it's my home yep and i love it i don't want to abandon it but i think very quickly oh but oh and then the line where she's like oh if he leaves like he's like am i strong enough for this you have me Again. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, and I hi- I like double highlighted that because it's like, he's not alone. And I think like, again, it almost kind of goes back to where he's still thinking in terms of himself before Safira because mm-hmm. he's, he's spent 15 years basically by himself and then a few months 
Yeah. With Safira. It hasn't yet fully came to comprehend what that really means. Absolutely. Is that he is not alone. He is and not if, alone. And if he is, and she, I think it's also like not just like, oh, what if I'm not strong enough? Well, you're not alone. Yeah. He says, what if I'm, am I strong enough for this? You have me. Of course you are. My yeah. presence makes you stronger. We are stronger. Yep. It's not our, like, are you strong enough? It's yeah, are we, we strong, strong enough? enough. Yep. We are. Yep, I, I like that. That's very good. Uh, you over here. Oh, I didn't do the. I'm sorry, listeners. I forgot. I forgot to write the bio. <laughs> uh, this one we got. So he overhears a conversation between Elaine and Horse, which is very much like they're very like worried about Aragon, but Horse is also like. I know he's not telling us the full story. Like, he clocks about how, like, he said he dragged Garo from the farm, but the tracks of Aragons just kind of stopped. Yep, they were, like, following, and they could see how far he had dragged him to Palancar, or to, uh... Carvajal. Carvajal. But then they were following backwards, and they stopped, and then they found a lot of giant footprints. And then those disappear. Yep. All the way back to the farm, and it's like, you didn't drag him all the way and so there is something that they know he's not telling yeah and i think that goes even back to like uh the chapter before where he's telling where he's telling horse what happened and he says like oh i dragged him da 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 and horse is just like "Mm mm-hmm interesting interesting. Mm -hmm." because it's like by that time it had been like a couple days so they had been to the farm and back yeah so like horse knows he's like no, you didn't. Yeah, like he knows he's being lied to, mm-hmm. but he doesn't call him out on it because he's also, like he also can't figure out why Aragon's lying. He, exactly, it's not like he believes that Aragon did this to the farmer. Did oh, this to Mara. yeah, like, no, they don't view Aragon as a threat. Mm-mm. But Horse knows, Ar- and also like this is the first time Horse is telling his wife about what it is because yeah. he's like maybe hoping Aragon could provide an explanation. Yep, that would mean would like result in like he doesn't have to like worry and tell a thing, and it's like oh no, well. Gotta let my wife know that something is very wrong here and not just in the what we see on the surface way. Yep. And I do like how even Elaine is like maybe what he saw scared him so much that he doesn't want to talk about it. So again, going back to your point where Mm -hmm. they're like, they don't, they're not suspicious of Aragon doing this thing. They're like, maybe he, maybe what he saw was so traumatic Mm -hmm. that he just, he just doesn't want to talk about it or he doesn't Mm -hmm. even remember it kind of thing. Yeah, for real. And Aragon's like, well, we got to skip town. And he's like, I can like, you know, fly on Safira, but not easily. So he steals some hides. Large from, ox hides, yep. Yeah, from the local tanner. And he does not like that. He's like, I will. Oh, he also steals uh, meat from horse. horse. Or he steals some supplies from horse. Yep. Like tools. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hides from Gedrick the tanner. And he's like, It's not really stealing. I'll pay them back. I'll, I'll pay Gedrick back someday along with horse. And he's like, yep. It's just. He's like, ah, it's, it's just borrowing yeah, long like, term. Yeah, it's, long, it's credit. I'm buying it on credit. He's like, you know, he's like, and I like that. But then he rolls around and he's like, well, if he's going to steal, it might as well be from Sloan. Yeah. Zero thought of paying this, this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. No. Yep. No. Yes. He should have stolen more from Sloan. Like, for real, for real? Yeah. I don't know why we haven't actively been thinking about how this is all Sloan's fault because we know he's the one that told. He was talking the, to the Razak. He, yeah. Well, I gave up their name. He was oh, talking no. to the strangers. 
Hold on, say it again. Because, like, he was the last one that was talking to... Well, yeah. like, we don't know if that was the last people to talk to the strangers, but the last scene we saw of Sloane was talking to the strangers. Yeah, telling them about, and that's how Aragorn knew, oh, they're coming. Yep. His horse is like, no one's told him anything, but you know some people might, and yep. it is Sloane. So it's like, they knew that the egg was at the farm. Yeah. Which is why they attacked with such ferocity, because they didn't attack the village that way. Oh, yeah, nope. Like... So if they didn't know it was there, maybe they would have gone and just question, like found out there's a farm, questioned Garo, and then left. Mm-hmm. But because they knew, because Sloane told them, that's why they destroyed the farm searching for it. Yeah. And actually, like, I don't know if we want to talk about this. I think it's brought up later that I just remembered or I'm just thinking about is, like, the the way the farm was destroyed, it was like they wanted Aragon to yeah. chase them mm-hmm. because it was it was so yeah i was one. like i honestly can't remember but it was so theatrical mm-hmm. that they they made it so brutal and yeah garrow they didn't just like stab garrow they like threw something on him that like ate it away injured him so, so badly destroyed his home so we, aragon wouldn't have whoever yeah wouldn't have a place and it's like it, yeah you're right it was very much like a well, if we can't find you, you we'll make you. You come, come to us, us. exactly. Because they couldn't find the egg, and they're like, it must have hatched. Yeah, which means there is a dragon, which means then let's yeah, which means they could run from us if they know we're after them. So let's make them come to us. Yeah, like let's use like revenge, mm-hmm. like like, and they're probably like in that situation, it's almost a little bit chilling because it's like they're not scared of Aragon. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, yeah, you can chase us. Yeah, come and get us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then Brom. Then Brom. Going somewhere. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, like that is good. He rolls around. Brom scout angrily at him, an ugly wound on the side of his head. And he's trying to, like, Eric's like, I'm just leaving whatever. I hope you have enough meat to feed your dragon. And he's like, what, what, are, you talking you, about? It, what are you talking about? And Brom's like, I'm not fucking stupid. <laughs> mm-hmm. He calls to Sophia. He's like, we've been discovered. I need you now. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, like, she does come and Brom's kind of interrogating him, asking him questions. Aaron's freaking out. And she's, like, circling far ahead. And he's like, you come on? She's like, no, nah, I'm just going to watch for a time. Yeah. And it's also, like, Brom stared into the distance and moved his lips soundlessly as if he were talking to someone else. Ah. Uh. And it's like... Uh-huh. Then said, there were clues and hints everywhere. I only... I had only to pay attention. Anyone with the right knowledge could have done the same. And so it's like... Yeah, it's, there's been a dragon in the f- nearby woods for, like, a couple months now. Yeah. And Aragorn just rolls up asking dragon questions and the mark on the hand and... Yeah. Yeah, everything. But I, I, it's like when Safira's circling, she doesn't immediately come. He's like, why? Because of the slaughter at Doru Abria. What I, does that mean? I think it's Dora Aruba. You know, that's probably better. Because I, I feel like that's what, like, looking at it, my brain's like, that's not right. No. And my and my memory is like, Doro Aruba. Yeah, that's that's better. <laughs> I added uh, letters that aren't in there. I do it all the time. <laughs> you are yeah. good. Brom says, like, oh, I've talked to her. And she's agreed to stay above as we settle our differences. And Aragorn's like, how, how is Brom able to talk to Sephira? What is happening? It, I do like the, the realization that he has no control over this situation yeah. at all. And he's just like, I don't know what to mm-hmm. do. And he's very like, I don't know if this is legit, but he's like, doesn't know if it's, if he actually wants to help or if it's a trap because Brahm is offering to help him go after the strangers. Yeah. He knows about Safira and convince Safira 
to less talk than Safira trusts him. So, okay, that'll have to be good enough for a while. So they yeah. go to the farm and he also, like, he's like, I have to, you know, leave a message for Rowan, which Brom has already taken care of. Yeah. Leaving a letter for him for Gertrude. And it's like, oh, wow. Brom has been, like, super on the ball. Like, he's just ready to go. <laughs> he's, like, on. Mm-hmm. We get an indication that we can probably trust Brom when they reach the wreckage of the farm. Brom's eyebrows beetled with anger. Yep. And so you see that he's, like, not happy. We find out that Brom was injured because he went after the strangers himself. Yep. Trying to see if he could, like, take care of the problem. And they got the jump on him. Yep. But did not kill him when they could have. So, again, that circles back to the idea that they hurt Garo and destroyed the farm so badly as a message to Aragon. Yep. They didn't have to do this. Yep. Nope. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then I do like we get Brom seeing Safira for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I have it highlighted. It's uh, Brom stepped forward with an expression both solemn and joyous. His eyes were shining and a tear shone on his cheek before it disappeared into his beard. And he's just watching her. Mm-hmm. And that for... her name is Safira. Yeah. And he like, what, what, uh, what was his reaction? What's her name? Safira. A peculiar expression crossed Brom's face. He ground the butt of his staff into the earth with such force his knuckles turned white. Of all the names you gave me, it was the only one she liked. I think it fits, Aragon added quickly. Fits it does, said Brom. There was something in his voice Aragon could not identify. Was it loss, wonder, fear, envy? Ah, uh, It's so good. And it just, like, we get the feeling that, Bro- like, we had that feeling when he read the story in, like, the first couple chapters. I can't remember yeah, which chapter. Yeah, uh, tea for two yeah and when he told the story too at the end of that one after the troop came Mm -hmm. and all the things where he was crying at the end of it that's the dragon tales yes dragon tales yes Mm -hmm. and so it's like we get this feeling that like brahm like cares deeply for the dragon and dragon riders Mm -hmm. and so it's that adds to the mystique as well because it's just like what kind of reaction is that brahm yeah (laughs) does give just an interesting uh like it adds to his mystique Mm-hmm. Uh, even more than he's already you know wrapped around. And that's in it. actually my problem with the rest of this chapter. Yeah. Rom's mystique. Yeah. I am instantly over it. Yeah. He, and so he's like, Whoa. so freaking cryptic. Uh, <laughs> he, like, doesn't tell Aragon why he, like, why do you want to follow me? To put it bluntly, I'm a storyteller, and I happen to think you will make a fine story. You're the first writer to exist outside the king's rule for over a hundred years. What will happen? Will you perish a martyr? Will you join the Varden? Or will you kill about Galbatorix? All fascinating questions. Uh, I highlighted the questions because I thought it was interesting that it's like, oh, will you die? Will you join the Varden? Will you kill a king? But mm-hmm. none of them are, will you join him? Yeah. Like, that's not even, like, you're like you're outside of his control. And not for a second does Brom think Aragorn will ever fall into Galbatorix's control. Yeah, I, I do really like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so then he... Like, won't tell him the real reason he wants to go, because you obviously know, not because of the story. He's like, okay, how can you talk to Safira? It's like, well, you know, uh, anyone can do it with enough training. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and he distracts Aragon by giving him a sword. Yeah, he's like, eh, look at this shiny thing. <laughs> look at this big shiny sword. Look, it's got a ruby in the pommel. It's so impressive. It was once a rider's blade. When a rider finished his training, the elves would present him with a sword. So why are you giving it to Aragon now? Yeah, bud. You know who has zero training? 
Aragon. He has no business getting and this sword. And it's also like, as far as we know, the only training in any weaponry Aragon has is with a bow. Really should have. You were. I think you mentioned this some time back, but clearly yeah. should have just focused on the bow thing. Just really focus like on the bow sword. thing. So cool, but like. Yeah, and I think he's got to do training with a sword. You should be proficient in, like... In close combat. In close combat. But we should also, like... I don't know. He was much better at ranged weapons. Yeah. So... I would have just... I would have loved to see, like, Aragon, like... I guess it might maybe a little spoilery, but, like, I would have loved to see him expand in his ability at bow and arrow. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like you could have done... like some really cool shit with that especially like intertwining it with magic and making it like i don't know i just feel like it would have been really cool where and it could have even like i'm probably going way too off on this but like it could have set aragon and safira off like from in being different because it's like they don't typically fight with a with a sword like aragon doesn't fight with a sword he fights with a bow and arrow Mm -hmm. rather than a sword and i feel like that would have been just so cool but that's me i also really like ranged weapons so yeah uh the sword's name is zarok because we're in a five fan we're in a high fantasy novel yeah all the swords have names and it's not like Mm -hmm. it's z-a-r apostrophe (laughs) r-o-c yep yep the apostrophe yep Brom gives it to him consider it yours you have more claim to it than i do and before all is done i think you will need it uh, Saphira comes over to check it out. He pulled out the blade and oh, showed I like her the this. sword. Yeah, it has power, she said, touching the point with her nose. The metal's iridescent color rippled like water as it met her scales. She shifted her head with a satisfied snort, and the sword resumed its normal appearance. Aragon sheathed it troubled. And Brom talks about, like, oh, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Dragons will constantly amaze you. Things happen around them. Mysterious things that are impossible anywhere else. Oh, why did that happen? No idea. Yeah. It's in it's interesting. It's just to show like oh, dragons can do mysterious things. Yeah. And I'm wondering and I and I honestly don't remember if this is a thing cuz he talks about how the blade usually matched like the dragon color. I was about color. to say, yeah. And so I was like if it was made from scales, like from fallen scales from a dragon, mm. like that would make sense because as far as we know, this is the first contact if a, if the sword was made with dragon scales, it is the first contact with another dragon in x amount of mm-hmm. whatever. So I feel yeah. like that might have yeah. made sense but yeah. i'm also it's still just it's still just interesting or that- if safira had changed the color of the blade yeah. yeah like you said like bram bram mentions that you know it's the custom was to have the blade's color match that of the rider's dragon yep this blade is red safira is blue yep but i think we can make an exception in this case so if in safira the, the problem isn't that like oh she did the water thing and then like oh but it was like and safira just seems to do it just to check it out yeah it seemed like a really wasted opportunity not to have her change the color so it matches yeah. her scales. Like I think that would have been really cool. Really cool. And I think like it, it does almost do the, what is it, when you tap on crystal to see if it's crystal? Yeah. It kind of has just, that oh, vibe where it's like, oh, it's magical. Tap, tap. Yep, magical. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, cool. But I didn't. But I. But why? But yeah. Why did she just. Okay. I just think it would, if it rippled and then it just changed to like. Mm-hmm. From the point of what she touched it, it turned an iridescent blue to match her yeah, scales. Yeah, like, just make it match her scales. You just made a point about how it doesn't look like her, and usually they do, and she can yeah. do impossible things, so have her change the color. Or maybe she just now tried to change the color but couldn't do it because, like, the blade's elf magic, yeah. and so it's not as easy to manipulate. But, yeah, it was cool, but 
didn't do anything except let Braum talk about how dragons are mysterious and powerful. I'm like, but I knew that. You told me that already. Yeah. Aragorn, there's much you don't know. Yeah, we know that. Aragorn knows that too. Yeah. What was this passage for? And it is, it, mm-hmm. I, yeah, because it's, uh, Brom does, I feel like he's laying on, like, uber thick. Oh, uber being thick. Like, oh, speaking of, like, uber thick, like, yeah. let me tell I skipped this passage earlier, but when he first sees Sephira. Oh, yeah, oh, his my whole, gosh. like, interlogue. Yeah. So it starts again. But how and where will it end? My sight is veiled. I cannot tell if this will be tragedy or farce, for the elements of both are here, however it may be. My station is unchanged, and I... Whatever else he might have said faded away as Saphira proudly approached them. Yeah. Anyway, this is uh, later on after the sword thing. He talks about the Razak. Yeah, the Razak. We Ooh. finally get a name. And they're just scary. Razak, yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I really like, I highlighted the definition. The Razak were never seen before Gabatorix came to power. He must have found them during his travels and enlisted them in his service. Little or nothing is known about them. However, I can tell you this. They aren't human. And that's, like, mm-hmm. creepy. Yep, yep. And he just says, when I glimpsed one's head, it appeared to have something resembling a beak and black eyes large as my fist. And it's like, ah! So yeah. Like, yeah. Doubtless, the rest of their bodies are just as twisted. That's why they cover themselves with cloaks at all times. We talked about earlier, it felt like their bodies were, were misshapen. Like, misshapen, and, like, and it, they were hiding something under there. And it's like, what are you hiding under there? And it's You're like, now body. we know. It's Everything their little body. Yourself. They're like, it's themselves. like, what, it could have been just like, what if they're, like, it, like the weird, like, they look like they were wearing packs. It's like, what if those weren't packs? Like, what if that was just their body that they just covered? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> So, yep, spooky, spooky dudes, spooky, spooky whenever. And just I just keep thinking about the movie, and I'm just like so disappointed, so sorry, like so Lucy. disappointed. So sorry, Ugh, they could have made the Razak like so creepy, and they fucking weren't anyway. Anyway, talks about Brahm says like whenever rumors reach Gabatorix of a dragon in land, he sends the Razak to investigate. A trail of death often follows them. Is is this happened a lot? Like there are often rumors of how they're. Dragons are, like, really distinct. How often do you have rumors of a dragon? You know, I don't, we don't ever learn that, yeah. I don't think. Like, we never learn if there was any other rumors at all. Like, yeah. Brom mentions that Aragon is, like, the first dragon rider in over a century or yeah. something like that. But it's, like, we never know if there had been others Yeah, on the off chance that there had been others. So it's, like, yeah, interesting. There, there must have been if... Gabatorix always sends these fools out. Yeah. But, like, how could you possibly have substantial rumors of a dragon? Because it's also like, okay, well, this also is like, wait, so if it's rumors of a dragon, then is the shade not working for Gabatorix? The guy from the, the prologues? We still haven't actually got confirmation about what the elf lady and prologue shades business were and yeah. what their alliances are. If the yeah, so we don't know. We still don't know who's got what information and yep. what's going on. And that's actually like I highlighted that it's uh, we don't even like even the characters like the Razak must have had a source of information outside of this valley, one who is probably dead by now. So it's like we like going off. We we don't know yeah. anything. Like we don't know mm-hmm. who has it. Who because it's like but again they, like they weren't asking about a dragon. They were asking about the egg, the stone, the yep. stone, yep. and they knew what it looked like, which means they know about the stone and the stuff yep. that happened in the prologue absolutely and so it's like and it just makes us like wonder like who like where is this outside source of information like who mm-hmm. would have said what about it like it's so and it's like could it have been the shade like we're not really sure mm-hmm. it could have been like the shade could just be like 
a second, like a third party to all of this. There is uh, the Razak, the Empire, and then the Shade. Like, yeah. it could, they're all, like, yeah, separate like, kind or, of. Yeah, and then, and then there's also, like, yeah, there's the the elf. Yeah, exactly. And the egg. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, there's a so lot of parts that we don't we know don't how things know. fit together. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Aragorn has no idea. He has he no idea how big this Galvatorx is. Galvatorx <laughs> and the Razak know that they're, they know about Saphira, but no one else has seen her yet. Yep, yep. Aragorn finally, like, is over this, like, cryptid storyteller yes. nonsense. And I'm like, like yes, Aragorn! Yeah, I'm so into it. He demands to have answers. Like, how do you have a writer's sword? How do you know about the Razak? And Brom's like, I thought I made it clear I was going to talk about that. He's like, my uncle is dead because yeah. of this. Like, I trust you because res- Saphira respects you. But, like, explain yourself. And Brom's like, you've probably never thought of it. But most of my life has been spent outside of Palancar Valley. Actually, that's not true. We know that Aragorn did ask Garo where you came from. And Garo's like, I don't know, man. He showed up about 15 years ago. Always been quiet. Yeah. No problems with... Big respect to Brom. Big fan of Brom. Yeah. Never causes trouble. Yep. So that's funny. He's like, you've probably never thought about that. False. Actually, Brom. Aragorn has. Yep. Mm-hmm. Brom's basically like, you know, I have a complicated past. It was partly through a desire to escape that I came here. So no, I'm not the man you think I am. But I'm not going to answer your questions. At this point, you don't need to hear my history, nor have you earned the rights. I don't hand out descriptions of my life to anyone who asks. And I'm just like, no, I will not be participating (laughs) in this manufacturing of the mystery mystic character. Yeah. Because actually, Brom, I think about everybody Aragon has earned to get some direct answers to these questions. Yeah, no kidding. If you don't want to give him the truth, you can at least lie to him. Yeah. But this is, no, he's, uncle just died. He's trying to kill these people. He's the dragon rider. You clearly have a lot of inspiration, but uh, yeah. information. And you're just like, you haven't earned the right. No, now you're on an uneven playing field. You know more about Aragon and know more than Aragon. Like, this is just, I don't, I hate. I yeah. Hate it. I just, it's literally just to like, keep Brom cryptic and mysterious but simultaneously create unnecessarily unnecessary tension between, between him characters. and Aragon yep. like and that's like Aragon glared at him sullenly I'm going to bed mm-hmm. and it's like yeah like I mm-hmm. feel like that's Aragon that I feel like that is his I'm done moment he's just like fuck fine, you fine. I'm going to bed <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Brom did not seem surprised but there was sorrow in his eyes well yeah Brom are you sad yeah, that played out maybe you should have made a different decision <laughs> answered one of his questions you yeah. could have been like I, I it's for me it's like you haven't earned the right i yeah. don't just hand out it's... my life story you're a storyteller yeah what and is this all of a sudden and i do really like so that's I, I i all of a sudden i just remembered uh listeners forgive me i remembered harry potter mm. and at the end of the first book where harry asks why did voldemort try to kill me mm-hmm. and dumbledore is like alas the first question you ask the, the first question you ask me i cannot answer but dumbledore and he's like but he's like i can't answer it now later perhaps when you are older then i will answer it but not right now and i feel like that could have been this because dumbledore didn't go you don't have a right to know that's what it is it's the i can't tell you yet yeah and i think like even though that would have still been infuriating it would have like brahm would uh yeah, I'm, all these names in my head right now. Yeah. Brom would, I don't know, I feel like the you you don't have a right is like, Aragorn's like, my family just fucking died. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me right and you're now? You're like, you're, and you, my family just died. The king is after me and my 
like my dragon my best friend yeah i have nothing and you're demanding i trust you on credit yeah like you could give me something something and i also like and brom could have just been like Brom just gets too defensive yeah he really does and i i do think like brom could have been like um saying something like like uh i'm not ready to discuss that yet Mm -hmm. and just like any other questions that Aragon tried to ask him just doesn't talk about it. Like literally, like he could have just like, I am not ready to talk about that and then continue doing whatever he's doing. And Aragon's pestering him with questions and Aragorn, Brom just isn't given the time of day. Yeah. Like he's like, like, I told you what I told you. I'm not going to give you anything more. Yeah. And it's like, it's still infuriating, but I do think, I don't know. I, I do. It's the, it's so dismissive of Aragorn. Yeah. That's what makes me annoyed. Yeah. And that's why it's more, that's why it's not just like, oh, let's make Brom mysterious. It's also creates this tension tension and i'm like why are we doing this yeah okay this is fine i don't like brahm yeah i, think. I have decided i don't like brahm as a character yeah he's not a bad character i don't like it maybe not as a character i don't like him as a person yeah <laughs> and now we're gonna be stuck hanging out with him yeah so fine yeah. let's go i guess and it's it it is interesting like how we started we're like oh yeah brom brom is super chill like brom yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then it's like then i think this, like this I, is the most unchill person i've met yeah and i think he, i think, hung out with sloan that's a lie sloan is the most unchill. sloan is the most yes and i do the razak also have no chill yes agreed <laughs> that do, shade zero chill <laughs> sorry okay go no, on, go you're on, go good. i think that um i think what it is and i think like like if this was intentional, then Paolini did a really good job creating that tension, even between wanting us to side with Aragon, and so that that tension created. So we don't trust. So Brom. we don't trust Brom either, because so far we've been like super, like okay, Brom's on the level kind of he's, thing. He's provided so much valuable and, information yeah, so easily. Yeah, and he's just this like old old man that just like I know more than you, and it's like yeah, whatever, Brom. But now it's because he dismissed Aragon's everything yeah that is what's like dude what the fuck like aragon went through enough he doesn't need your cryptic bullshit right now yeah and so i think like that does create like right now like both of us are kind of irritated at brom we're like dude what the hell and aragon is also irritated with brom Mm -hmm. so if that was intentional like a plus like yeah absolutely because it's more just like because if brom had been like i'm not ready to answer and aragon was like oh i'm upset about this i've been like whoa aragon he's just not ready to talk yeah he will yeah but by making him being dismissive of aragon and now we're just like how dare you be dismissive of our book friend yeah this is some nonsense we will not stand for it yeah and so it just creates that like grr and like Mm -hmm. damn brom and like all this stuff which does carry on to the next several chapters um and so it it i it it's well done i do and again like it's so well done, like, character-wise, because I do think, like, knowing Brom and then realizing not knowing Brom, mm-hmm. like, that fits with his character. Yes, I do like, I do like how it did cement, like, oh, you, you like, oh, we know Brom, he's a storyteller. Yeah. We don't know him, and he, Brom really drives the point that you don't, you aren't allowed to know yeah. me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. Someone thinks he's so cool mysterious, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Luce, what what's our writing takeaway from these these chapters? Hmm. I think I'm just kind of going to go off kind of what we were just talking about, where it would be like, there's like, I, I, uh, I don't know if we talked about this before, but like, you know, when you're forcing your characters into a plot mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. y- y- you're the char- you're like your characters have no business being in there yeah. kind of thing. Like, this is definitely not that. Like, Brom is 
I don't I don't even know if I could word this right now. Um, but it's like Brom isn't fitting the narrative that we believe he is fitting in. Like even in the mysterious essence of Brom. Yeah. Like because he's coming off as someone he's who not is, being like a, it's weird because it's like when like Yoda or I'm so sorry listeners Dumbledore is like mysterious it's yeah like, oh they're mysterious and sometimes it's frustrating but it always comes with an air of reverence yeah or because, like oh, because we do still know Yoda and Obi-Wan were members of the Jedi Council and they yeah. fought in the Clone Wars and that's so reverence and Dumbledore is this great wizard and leader yeah. and like headmaster of the school and so when they are mysterious, we have this, like, oh, it's frustrating, but, like, they obviously ha- must have a good reason. Yeah. And Brom is just being difficult. Yeah. So, right, he's not fitting into the the narrative trope of what you'd expect of yeah. your, like, mysterious cryptic mentor. Yep. Because he's just stepping into being mysterious cryptic mentor without earning yeah the mysterious cryptic nature he's he it's annoying it's yeah. frustrating and and it's real like mm-hmm. he's coming off as a real because it's again a listener sorry dumbledore is just like throughout we gotta most, read more books <laughs> we do uh throughout <laughs> most of the, i feel like that's just like the most it's just the most influential <laughs> one for our yeah, generation which is unfortunate mm-hmm. um it's just like dumbledore's put on this like magical pedestal with like mm-hmm. light shining down and little twinkles and just like oh he's just this like unreachable person and da 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 and like that changes in the seventh book but like Brom is real from the very beginning like we do yeah. see him almost in that light when we first meet him like he's a storyteller he's mysterious he knows all about dragons and dragon riders and ooh and then this is bringing him very much into reality yeah. like he is real so it's like lean into the the mystique of characters but also like do your best to make them real yeah in a frustrating way I because think, I think that pays off more. in the rea- in the reality you would never be in awe of the mysterious cryptic mint you would only ever be annoyed that yeah. you have to do this. <laughs> like Aragorn. Like, the mysterious cryptic mentor in, is not someone you would be in awe of. You would just be annoyed But Can them. you just please just answer me? Like, I've gone through enough shit. Just talk to me. Yeah. No. Well, fuck you. <laughs> cool, man. I'm leaving. Yeah, exactly. But I can't. <laughs> but I can't. Uh, before we leave... I want to share some sparks of inspiration from our listeners. Yes. Open. So we've got a couple sparks of inspiration and some geodes. Okay. Well, I'll get this one out of the way first. This comes from Owen Fellow, well, Fellow Percy Jackson's podcaster for me. Yeah. From uh, Through the Mist. My inspiration is Darian for making me want to climb rocks regularly. (laughs) Thank you, Owen. (laughs) I love that. I'm a rock climber. When I uh, went to post a lot of rock climbing videos on my Instagram, did a fun trip to New York with a bunch of Percy Jackson podcasters this past year, got to hang out with Owen, we went rock climbing together. Now we all climb. Yay! So there's, there's the context for listeners. That's who very like, good. What? <laughs> Regular uh, podcast correspondent, Curtis Moore. Mm-hmm. Always glad to hear from Curtis. With the geode. Yeah. And I'm just going to read the message. Yeah. For work, I got to visit these former mining towns in northern Nevada. They're really remote, and it makes me think of all the packers and freighters that had stories along those roads. There's also some really good exhibits on the Chinese laborers and the, and other minorities in the area. And then included just some, like, some really, really cool, cool pictures. pictures. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Curtis sent us this when we were trying to figure out, are we going to call it Geodes of Sparks of Inspiration? Yeah. So. But no, it's really cool. Thank mm-hmm. you, Curtis, for sharing that. Like, that's yeah. super cool. And then Bailey sent us uh, a video... 
of just this is my geode my spark of inspiration this week feel free to share i'd love to hear y'all's descriptions of this one. Oh, i just read oh shoot okay lucy well how would you describe what this this video is that that bailey shared with us it's to it's, me, it looks like someone capturing the reflection of light and water. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like that's how I, uh, how I'm seeing it is. It does look like someone is standing on the beach, and they're look like clouds are rolling in, and it's mm -hmm. like the clouds and the horizon on like the edge of the ocean have just like kind of merged, where you can barely see the sun coming through. Mm -hmm. But it's like that. Um, so I gorgeous shimmering. It's a gorgeous like shimmering. Acrylics. Like yeah, it's really pretty, and I do like how. Um, the artist is like you you see the artist like dab some uh, paint or whatever they are using mm -hmm. and then they they're using their fingers to blend it and yeah. that is just so, like, so cool tactile. yeah it's yeah. very cool the colors it just looks to me like what I imagine magic looks like yeah and it is very beautiful thank you Bailey that is that is very lovely yeah it's really pretty we'll share that we'll share this video to our story the day this episode comes out. So if you want to see the video and you go to our story and it's not there, message us and remind me <laughs> to share the video to our story the day this comes out. Yep. Thank you. Do you have a writer's take on this story? Oh, no. I'm super, I'm super into, like, the... The make your if you're gonna have a mysterious mentor, remember they'd also be annoying. Yes, yes. Like, that seems like, yeah. That seems I like real. That. And, and also serves to, like defy expectation of what that kind of character would look like yeah in like, a realistic way and not just trying to be like genre uh, yeah Ill genre um not undermining but like twisting yeah which works but yeah yeah the cliches would be annoying actually yeah it's it, it it it's it's so it's just so overdone mm -hmm. you know like so if you do it have fun with it have fun with it have fun with yeah, it Make I remember that would be annoying to deal with. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, Lucy, thank you so much for joining me for this adventure. And thank you for joining me on this adventure. As sad, it was like kind of uh, like a sad and then annoying. <laughs> it's definitely, we're reaching when you see like the, uh, the methods of storytelling where it's like, oh, the uh, like the plot structure is like, oh, rising, 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 climax and then thing. Yep. But that's not necessarily how a plot structure actually works. Yeah. You would zoom into those moments because a mountain isn't straight up. To yeah. The point and it's back down. It's there's a lot of ups up and downs. Up. So I yep. think uh, the madness of life was us finally hitting that last beat in yep. that arc we were in. And now we have reached like our new arc yep. in the, the Aragon adventure. Yep. Aragon and, adventuring with Braum. <laughs> yeah. And I am one hand excited to see like us. Okay. We're leaving Palakar Valley. We're moving forward. We're like taking the Getting next step into this the world. world. Oh man. Is Braum going to be annoying the whole time? Cause like, that's going to be rough for me. Yeah. Friends. Yeah. But uh, what do you think, dear listeners? What are some other mis mysterious cryptic mentors that we should know about to add to our examples of mysterious yes please <laughs> and you know honestly this is just gonna be an ongoing call if you ever have a spark of inspiration or a geode please feel free to share that uh we would love to if you don't want to share that let us know we would definitely love to to see what you have and like, yeah. share it with everybody because that's awesome yeah it really is and it's inspiration in that you can even like inspire others you know so for real, for real. absolutely so if you're wanting to share like absolutely if you just want to share with us and not let us share like let us know like yeah we are up for that like of course in every way shape or form mm -hmm. you can always send those to at aragon pod on instagram yep and give us a follow <laughs> yeah give us a follow uh you could also let us know if you're listening on spotify spotify does the the questions things so you can drop that here, actually, hold on, let me, we had some this morning, actually, Ooh. which 
Yeah, because usually it's like, just what do you think about this episode? Yeah. Or some episodes back, I asked, do you have a dragon cat or a goblin cat? Uh, two listeners have let us know that they have dragon cats. Yay! So, love to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, also, sometime back, we asked, uh, what is your cringiest 15-year-old sulk fest? And one of our listeners who was, uh, mentioned that they are 12, so maybe just screaming into a pillow. <laughs> I'm going to say... Absolutely not, Zoe. That is, no, not cringe. You express your emotions how you need to. Screaming into a pillow can be incredibly cathartic. It, yeah, it's very. It can be very good. The thing about cringy fifteen-year-old sulk effects is that you don't realize how cringy it was until you are older and looking back. In the moment, it is just real, and your emotions, and you yep. are experiencing them, and how you need to experience them, and yep. that it's good and justified to take care of yourself however you need to. Absolutely, screaming into a pillow can be very healthy. Yes, Believe absolutely. Me, no. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. You can always, if you listen to Instagram, those are fun and they always delight me to see responses. Yeah. On, uh, or yeah, Spotify's there, Instagram's there, whatever you want. Yeah. Let us know. Yes, absolutely. Reach out. Uh, Side, thank you for everyone who has uh, rated the show on Instagram. Yeah. That's super cool. It helps other people know that uh, this podcast is indeed worth their time. Yeah. And can bring other people into this like right of creative community that we're like yeah (laughs) vibes and community that that we're looking to build and and interact with yep absolutely and thank you very much guys yeah and until next time she's lucy hart and she's darian smart and this is aragon and back again 